Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Today's episode of Wine and Dime is sponsored by Rooted Planning Group, a fee-only financial planning firm that believes life is about events, supported by your dollars and cents. And we want to help you achieve your goals. Hop on over to www.rootedpg.com to learn more about the services. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. Hi, Wine and Dime listeners, Amy Irvine here. I'm starting a series on economic one, economics 101 because I realized after doing several presentations that were sort of a month-end presentation where I talked about the various activity, economic activity that was occurring, that perhaps not everybody was as familiar with some of the terms that I was using as I am. So over the course of the next six weeks, I'm going to be talking about different topics that you may remember remember, but it may not. And and at least for now, it's something that you can always come back to if I say something or I can point you to it if I say something and you say, now, what was that again? So this week, we're going to start with understanding the importance of Fed funds rate. But before we go there, I am stepping outside my normal comfort zone with the wine that I am going, the region of wines that I'm going to actually explore this month. As many of you may know, I plan and on taking a trip over to Scotland in 2024. So I've started to get educated about the country. Believe it or not, Scotland has wine. Now, not a lot of it, given that they're really not much of a wine region, but they do have some wineries. So you better believe that while I'm over there, that's going to be part of our trip. One that I discovered as I was doing my research was called Chateau Largo. Now, I really can't say much about it, but um, you should try it. You should always try something at least once. I would like to get over there and actually give the wine its full opportunity because I think that often when things get shipped and they're in very few quantities that perhaps you aren't getting what you would get if you were in the region and you're not combining it with the food that it was meant to go with. So if you're headed to Scotland or thinking about going to Scotland or in a Total Wines or someplace that has a lot of regions, try. I challenge you to try 
try to find a Scottish wine that you might like or enjoy. And please, if you do find one, report back to me. It's not until the uh, summer of 20, summer, fall of 2024. So I'd love to start my list. Okay, now on to the topic of understanding the importance of the Fed funds rate. It certainly has gotten a lot of news over the last year, 2022, and even into the first quarter of 2023. In fact, just recently, the Fed published its uh, summary of economic projections, which showed that officials expect growth to slow to about 0.4% in 2023 as a result of them raising interest rates to slow inflation. They also expect unemployment to rise to 4.5% from the mid three and a halfs that it is right now. And for the PCE inflation, which for those of you, when I use that, I'm so sorry, that stands for personal consumption expenditure. They expect that to decelerate to three 3.3% from that whopping 5.4 that it is today as I'm doing this recording. Fed officials also expect the Fed's fund rate to rise about another 25 basis points and then probably to remain there the rest of the year. Now, I say all that and I realized that there's several different things in there that you might you might totally understand, but you don't have the background behind it and you understand it as a general term. So I thought that I would start by explaining a couple of those key terms that I mentioned. So let's start with the language basis points. I mentioned to you that the Fed may raise by another 25 basis points. What does that mean? That's honestly just a fancy way of saying percentage with a um. And a good way to put that is, for example, if somebody says 25 basis points, what they mean is 0.25% or a quarter of a percent. So a full 100 basis points really is just 1%. I have no idea why the terms, I'm sure there's a reason and you could probably Google it, but there, that is the way it's referred to as basis points. And really what they're saying is they expect to raise interest, they expect to raise, raise the FUD fence rate by another 25 basis or 25 quarter of a percent. Sorry. Well, right now the Fed funds rate is currently 5%. So what they're saying is they anticipate that it'll go up to about 5.25%. Now, why raise the rates? I sort of alluded to that. They The Fed will raise rates when they feel that things are too hot in our economy. And why would you want thing why wouldn't you want things to be too hot? Because that results in inflation. And in too much inflation means too high of a price. And it has to be that balance between a great growing economy and too much of a growing economy. We don't want the high inflation rates of like the 1980s as an example. So the Fed raised interest rates to slow the economy down. It's generally quite effective. And that is why last year we saw the stock market tend to go down because the stock market tends to be a leading indicator. When Feds start to raise interest rates, that is a good sign typically that we're going to see a slowdown in the economy. And again, being a leading indicator, indicator, often you'll see the stock market pull back when the Fed is on a mission to raise interest rates and cool inflation. So their purpose was to make things more expensive to finance, to slow things down. They've It, it has slowly been happening to some extent, although we are starting to see some indicators that projective growth is um, coming down the pike. But, but overall, the economy is slowing down. So the opposite would be true that they might 
might get to a point where they start to lower interest rates. Now, if the economy does indeed slow down and they don't want, it doesn't look like we're going to go into a, a hard recession, maybe we just go into a small recession or just a slowdown, then the Fed, if we're just slowing down and we're, but we're still growing, the Fed may leave interest rates right where they are. If the country can sustain those kinds of rates, they're probably going to leave them there. But if we do start to slow down too much, then the Feds will lower interest rates, will ex- which would accelerate borrowing, accelerate the economy. Typically, that's the reason behind it. So how does that all affect us, right? And and I think that's the important thing. Oh, by the way, that is important because you'll uh, some other terms that you'll also hear are discount rate and overnight rate. So the Fed funds rate is important because between basically when we're talking about it from that perspective, that's the rate in which the banks, or usually that's what they are, lend or borrow from, from the depository institution in the overnight markets. So in many countries, the overnight rate is the interest rate that the central bank sets to target monetary policy. Again, that's another way to either charge up or slow down the economy. In most circumstances, the overnight rate is the lowest available interest rate that is out there. So it's it's only available to the re- really high credit worthy banks that exist. So some of your non credit worthy institutions might have to pay a higher rate and that then gets passed on to the consumer, right? So you go to the bank, you go to borrow money, then you have to pay a higher rate to them. So that's one way that that affects you. And I think it's important to understand that because that is how the Fed measures price changes for household goods and services too. It increases, um, I mentioned earlier, that personal consumption expenditure inflation, (laughs) the PCE inflation. They want to look at that as a measure of all consumer price changes and the higher prices get, right, the higher the cost of something is. And again, if that gets out of hand too much, then it outprices people's ability to spend money to a certain extent. Another way that it affects you is on something that's called the yield. And a yield is something that you might get on a money market account or a savings account or maybe even your checking account. Now, this is not to be mistaken for a coupon rate. Okay. So if you have a bond, for example, in your investment portfolio and you're looking at the yield, I just want to point out that that shouldn't, it's not the same thing as a coupon rate. So if um, the treasury issues a bond and they say the rate is 4%, that might not be what your yield actually is, especially if you're holding a bond. And this is what happened last year. If you're holding a bond, especially a long-term bond, and interest rates go up, your bond price will fall. So a bond price might fall to, let's say, 98 um, could be the price of a bond, right? So if that was the case, if a bond was priced at 98, then if you sold something, that would mean that you would get $980. Well, if you're buying something at $980 and the coupon rate is at 3%, you actually have a bigger yield because when that bond matures, you're going to get the full $1,000 of that bond, plus you're going to get the 3% coupon, potentially, depending on when you bought it. It could be less if it wasn't a full year. Um, Plus, you're going to get that growth. And that is where we talk about yield to maturity. So yield is another term. And, And when the Fed starts adjusting rates, 
your yield on your bond, especially purchasing a bond, can be adjusted as well. Hopefully that makes sense. It's an important metrics for us because we're looking at sometimes when we're buying bonds, we're looking at something called yield to maturity or yield to call. And that could be more or less than the coupon that's stated for the particular bond. Another term that relates back to the Fed fund rate and rising interest rates is something called the yield curve. Now, I've talked a lot about the yield curve over the last year and a half, especially because we are currently in an inverted yield curve. Now, normally, the longer you go out in a term or a maturity, the higher the interest rates. But as the feds were raising interest rates, it was the shorter side of the um, maturity schedule that had a higher and still has a higher interest rate. So when shorter maturities have higher interest rates than longer maturities or higher yields than longer maturities, then we call that an inverted yield curve. And it is typically a recession or economic slowdown indicator. So right now, the yield curve, now remember I said yield and coupon are different, but the yield curve is higher on the short term than it is on the long term. And again, that can be a leading indicator. But that's something that we tend to follow. And when it gets narrower and the curve goes back to a normal yield curve where the longer term bonds have a higher yield than the shorter term bonds, that's probably a good indicator that we would be either out of a recession or coming out of a recession or economic slowdown. And again, a couple of other terms that I just wanted to share with you on this journey that we're going to take is something called APR and APY and the difference between simple interest and compounding interest. So APR is something that can often be confused because you'll see things like APY, APR, well, what's the difference, right? Well, APR is actually, uh, they're, they're similar, but they're used in the opposite way. So APR measures the amount of interest you'll be charged when you borrow. And APY measures the amount of interest you've earned if you were to invest your money in like a CD or a money market account or a bond or something like that. So um, when you're looking at things and you say, oh, APR, that actually means that you're paying it and APY actually means that you're receiving it. Now, APR stands for annual percentage rate and APY stands for annual percentage yield. So annual percentage rate can be a, um, something that is a simple interest rate or a compounded interest rate. And a simple interest rate is, let's say that you have $10,000 and you and it states, you know, 5% um, simple interest rate. So 5% is your annual percentage rate. Then you're going to get $500, right? And then next year, you're going to get $500. And the following year, you're going to get $500. But if you were to look at a compounding interest, now, many people don't necessarily, they you know, they don't think about it, but compounding interest means I'm going to get interest on my interest on my interest on my interest. So if you were to take that same $10,000 and you were to invest it, the first year you're going to get the same amount, $500. But then the second year, you're going to take that $10,500 and then you're going to get 5% on both the initial and that $500. So you're going to get $525 versus simple interest, you still would have only gotten $500. And then the next 
next year you get 551 because now you're investing $11,025 and getting 5% on that. So there is a difference between the APR and if you're going to get additional interest because it's compounded. So we like to explain those terms. And again, as why it's important during um, times of rising interest rates is because I mentioned APR and APY, and they are two different terms. APR is what you pay. APY is your yield. And remember, yield doesn't necessarily mean coupon, right? So we just have to take that into consideration when we're thinking about terms and how it plays into the Fed funds rate. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I know it was a lot of terms that were thrown at you over a short period of time. The next uh, segment that we're going to do is actually on understanding economic indicators. Again, I'm going to break this up into a six-part series. So each week you can listen to this. Hopefully you can rewind and listen to it again. Uh, Hopefully it's something, a good tool that you feel will be available to you when you're hearing some of these terms out there. We really hope that you enjoyed listening to the show today. We hope you enjoyed this particular episode as always. And we would absolutely love it if you would share it with your friends, if you think that it would be useful information to us, to them, excuse me, and to rate us on iTunes so that more people like you can find us. Thank you, everyone. And we hope you enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.